Glad that you're here this morning. Uh, thank you so much for being here as we finish up our series. Uh, it is the week of Valentine's. Uh, just that's for you guys out there, okay? Just saying you got a few days, but, you know, it's running out. The flowers will be gone. All right, so, you know, make your arrangements now. Um, hey, everyone, I, I want to uh, introduce Christine Jacobson. She's joining me on stage. Um, I wanted to ask her some questions uh, that relate to our, our, our message today and how we're ending this series. But why don't you give her a warm welcome, Christine Jacobson, everyone. Thank you. Christine has been a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church for seven years, seven years. And I love, I got to tell this story. Um, you know, pastors love stories, so sorry, you got to hear this. Uh, the, the way that I met Christine was uh, we were uh, moving into this facility uh, as a church, and we were going to have a big cookout to celebrate our first Sunday here, I believe. Isn't that right? Yeah. And um, Christine and her husband, Frank, had just moved from Virginia here uh, to Hilton Head Island, and I was in Sam's Club buying hamburgers and hot dogs. This was kind of in the days before we had our barbecue crew, and uh, so Cynthia and I were, were going to Sam's Club, and Cynthia stayed in the car uh, probably because our kids were little back then. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to Sam's Club, and I had three carts full of hamburgers and hot dogs and all the, uh, all the accessories, right? So I'm coming out, and you know, you know how at Sam's Club, when you have your receipt and you, you go out, they have to check it to make sure you're not stealing anything? You remember that? Yeah. We really don't count them. <laughs> well, inside information. Yes, Ho hopefully yes. nobody from corporate is watching this. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, Christine was working at Sam's Club, and she checked me out there at the front, checked my receipt, make sure the pastor didn't steal anything. And um, so she let me go because I hadn't stolen anything. But she said, what kind of party are you having? And I said, well, as a matter of fact, you just teed it up for me because I'm a pastor and we have a new facility, our brand new church. So she goes, you're not going to believe this. My husband and I are looking for a church. We just moved here and you were there the next Sunday, weren't you? I was. And the rest is history. Isn't but that cool? There is a God thing that goes along with this. <laughs> Thank you. Because in Virginia, my pastor's name was Todd and his wife's name was Cynthia. So where else could I go? <laughs> I remind her of that often. Uh, <laughs> um, Christine and Frank uh, have been, you know, like I said, a part of our church. Um, but unfortunately, um, two years ago, last month, Frank um, suddenly passed away in the middle of the night in their home. And boy, do I miss Frank. Um, that, by the way, um, they are huge Patriots fans. Okay, so... A Patriots trainer actually bought my house in Massachusetts. So. <laughs> that was a pretty robust, uh, yes. like, congratulations there. <laughs> um, and uh, just absolutely some of the sweetest people that I know, um, Frank and Christine, um, worked uh, back, back in those days. They were part of our guest service team, and they would do the coffee. And my picture of Frank, her husband, was that he would make sure that every bit of trash was taken out of this whole building before we left because he wanted to make sure the staff wouldn't have to do it mm -hmm. on Monday. Yeah. And uh, that's the kind of guy he was. And we actually established two years ago the Frank Jacobson Volunteer of the Year Award in our uh, Volunteer Appreciation Night. And so um, just an amazing, amazing couple have made a huge impact in the life of this church. Mm -hmm. But today I wanted to, for you to share a little bit about um, those days hours, weeks, months, and now years 
um, following his passing and uh, how your group surrounded you. Tell us a little bit about that day. Well, that morning, um, I had contacted a couple people, Todd being one of them, and Todd and Cynthia showed up at the house pretty quickly. And then the rest of my ladies started to come, and they helped clean, and they made coffee, and they made sure that there was food. Um, my children don't live around here. They're in Massachusetts and Virginia, so I had no one to help me with any of the details. It was really scary. But they stood by me and took care of absolutely everything. The, um, we made arrangements for the service, and because he died in the house, it changes things a little bit as far as how soon you can have a service. And um, they made arrangements for the luncheon in the back, and I didn't have to do a thing. And most of, Frank was a big golfer. So all of his golf buddies came to the service and all of my neighbors. And I got so many comments afterwards about people that had never been to a service where they saw so much love mm. from the people that were there. Mm. I mean, it was astonishing. I got notes, I got phone calls, people came up to me on the golf course <laughs> just telling me how much they realized that they had never seen this before in a mm. church. It's yeah. pretty amazing. It's amazing. And, and, and as a pastor, you can't know how excited I was to see her group, um, many of them there before we got there um, that day, and to see this enduring love that they have had. And, and by the way, this is a group, the, the leaders of this group were in the previous service. It's a group of women. What's the name of your group? You wow. Wow. The wow group of the, women. We're the women of the word. But we originally were women of Wednesday because our meeting has always been on Wednesday. But we've been together for almost seven years. It'll be seven years this spring. Well, just about now we started. Yeah. Jan February, March. So it'll be seven years. And we have 20. We started off with four. Yeah. We now have 20 in our group. Yeah, it's amazing. How have you grown spiritually in the last two years in part because of your group? I've seen what it means to be a Christian mm. and to live the Christian mm. life. You know, people would say, well... I'm a Christian, I hang with my Christian friends, and mm -hmm. I never thought much of that, but as you grow in your faith, you realize that those are the people you wanna be around. You don't have mm -hmm. to worry about the language they're gonna use, or what they're gonna watch in a, on a movie, or what they're gonna put on a TV, or mm -hmm. the joke they're gonna tell, because you all feel and think the same way. Similar values, yeah. yeah. And how have, you, how have you seen, obviously you witnessed your group uh, serve and love you, Christine, but how have you witnessed them reaching out since then to your group and to the world out there? Um, well, we have a lot of um, activities that we do, and we do live, we live our life together, we truly do. Um, but I've had something happen recently. A young woman that I knew came to me and said that she was feeling God calling her and she didn't know what to do, but she knew that I was in a life group. Mm -hmm and asked me questions. And it was an odd, we met at the rec center. I mean, it was just the strangest thing that- You don't know a stranger, happened. do you? No, I don't. Yeah, I, I talk to everybody. Gathering that. Just like Frank did. <laughs> That's um, true. So yeah. she has now become part of our group. And yeah. watching the love that she feels mm -hmm. for Jesus Christ and just seeing her absorbing all of this is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. But we do, we do everything as a group. 
and you're and now you're serving someone else in your group who's going through some health yes, problems. Yes, I never, another one of our group members is having some health issues. And we made a promise to her as a group that she would never go to a doctor's visit alone. She would never go to the hospital alone. She would yeah. never have to sit and have a transfusion by herself. Mm -hmm. And we have stuck to that. That's amazing. And we, we have a wonder, we enjoy each other. It's amazing. We really enjoy each other's yeah, company. Yeah. You guys do, and it's, uh, it's amazing. And I, I share, I wanted Christine to share a little bit of her story, um, not to, you know, not to highlight her group necessarily, although it's an amazing group of women, but to highlight what the church is really supposed to be about. Because th that uh, expression of love, as we'll talk about in a moment, um, she, Christine has, has been a witness to that. She's experienced it and also now in turn is uh, exercising that. And um, I'm just so thankful for your story. Thank you for sharing, Christine. Why don't you give her a hand today? Thank you so much for sharing that. You don't know how hard it is for some people to share their story. And um, this group, especially when she's been through some of the things that she's been through over the past few years. And I'm just so thankful, Christine, for you sharing your story. And I, I just want to also just say that the, the legacy that you and Frank began here of, of uh, really living the four window panes of our church, of uh, worshiping, of growing, of serving, and playing, as you talked about your group, um, you guys have demonstrated that, and their group demonstrates that as well. They're the epitome of 1 Corinthians 13. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn there. Today, we're going to actually begin today by reading 1 Corinthians 13, the whole, that whole chapter. Uh, many of you know this. Some of you know it by heart. Uh, you probably know it because one day you went to a wedding, and the pastor used 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, some of you have been to a lot of weddings throughout the years, and that may be why you know it so well. But I want to say this. Um, this is a passage that was meant for relationships just beyond the marriage relationship, not just for the marriage relationship. It, it was meant for all the relationships that we have. And, and our groups, and by the way, she talked about her one group, the WOW group, which I love. That works either way, uh, whether it's Wednesdays or, or of the word. Um, you know, we have multiple groups. In fact, we have almost 20 different groups that meet like that. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not a part of a group and you're a part of Hilton Head Island Community Church, you're missing out. You're missing out. I'll talk a little bit more about that. 1 Corinthians 13 1 through 13, I'm going to read it out loud this morning as we dive in, and as we wrap up this series, I thought it would be appropriate for us to read the whole thing. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And then he goes into the descriptions. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. 
Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be known fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. Let's pray and ask for God to bless our time together this morning. Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us right now. I pray that you would pierce our hearts, that you would invade and investigate our lives. And Father, I pray if there's anything about an enduring love that we don't have in the relationships that we have in our lives, God, I pray that we would be sensitive enough to your moving to change, to correct, so that we can endure and persevere, and so the world may know who you are because of our love. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. We talk a lot about the enduring love of God. The whole story of the gospel, that's the word means the good news, is God's enduring love. If you take a look at uh, his people, if you take a look at his relationship with the Israelites, it was an enduring love. When they failed and when they disobeyed and when they rebelled and rejected, God was faithful to them. If you take a look at his people, the church, when we fail, when we disobey, when we go a different way, he brings us back in because he is faithful. He is enduring. And God's love is an enduring love. And listen, uh, Christian, the, this, this message to, to, to the church there in Corinth was written so that they would get their eyes uh, and their focus off of those things that puffed them up, and they would get their eyes on the things that mattered to God, and that's love. And, and as um, Justin and I talked about, by the way, Justin, our, our student pastor is down here with Andrea. He preached last week, and I just want to thank you, man, for your word last week from God. Amazing job. Thank you so much, Justin. Paul begins this whole passage by giving these illustrations, and last week, if you were here, you heard Justin talking about uh, really truth in love and what it means to be selfless in love, and he used the illustration that Paul used here as the, the clanging symbol, and, and he had it on stage, and he annoyingly used it. Thank you, Justin, for that. I, I did sign off on that, so that's all right. So, and then uh, two weeks ago, I talked about how um, if we give away everything, um, but we don't have love, it's worth nothing. And in verse 2, uh, we didn't do these illustrations in order, but in verse 2, Paul says, If I have prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And I think what Paul was trying to tell the church uh, back then and what he's trying to tell us today is that knowledge of God's word is a thing to be attained. It's something that we should strive for. 
because when we know more about his word, then we know more about him. And when we know more about him, then we can draw closer to him. But I've got to tell you, one of the things that has defined, listen, that has defined the church over the years is a bunch of people that have all the knowledge in the world and don't care about people. And that's unfortunate. I was given, most of my library has been given to me over the years. A lot of it came from my mom and my grandmother. My grandmother, her name was Catherine Heisey Boyd. And uh, Grandma Kay, she passed away, I believe, in 2000, and if I remember correctly, seven. And uh, she was a student of God's Word, and she passed along a lot of her library. And then um, just a couple years ago, uh, my father-in-law, Cynthia's dad, um, was a pastor and, and a biblical scholar, and he passed away. And before he passed away, he passed a lot of his library on um, to some of the son-in-laws in the family and some other people in the family. And he gave me these. This is the Locklear, uh, Lockyer um, uh, Library. And then down here is J. Vernon McGee, who is a pastor, and they recorded all of his sermons of all through the Bible, a walk through the Bible here. I love these. Um, this represents like just a fraction, maybe like one or two percent of the library I have. And today, most libraries can be found online. Uh, most of what I use is online. You might even look at these and go, wow, this doesn't look that, that used. Um, that's because I, I go online to Lagos, and there's just so much you can find online. I put these on the top of my shelf because they look great. Makes me look smarter than I really am to have these on the top of my shelf. So, but, you know, I got thinking about that, and that's kind of something that we as Christians, we do. We, we kind of sometimes have a tendency to worship so much knowledge of the Bible. And then we seem to not care how we treat each other. Like we can know everything that there is to know and have all the doctrine and theology down and understand all the different prophecies. And by the way, if you understand all those different prophecies, you come and talk to me afterwards. I want to find out how you understood all those different prophecies. And we can have this deep abiding faith. We can be people of that faith. And sometimes we can have all of that. But the way that we treat each other and the way that we treat the world is horrible. And Paul is saying you can have all of this, but if you don't have love for each other, and the word that he uses there is that word that's the God kind of love, the agape type of love, if we don't have that, we have nothing. And my question then is, is how in our modern day, how do we have an abiding love like God desires and demonstrates to us. Well, I think Paul here in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 7 through 13, gives us three ways that we can have an abiding love. It's through perseverance, through perspective, and through prudence. And today I just want to talk about those three things here real quick. I think the first thing that we need to understand is if we're going to have an abiding type of love, uh, we've got to resist the urge to give up on difficult relationships. We've got to first and foremost resist the urge to give up on a difficult relationship. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning on this one because um, this might be you know, a little too close to home, but um, how many of you would say, I, I have people in my life 
who, again, don't raise your hand, okay? All right, how many of you would say, I have people in my life who are difficult? They are difficult. And, And look, like sometimes when I say, you know, this person in my life is a difficult person, I find out when I really begin to dig that I'm the one that might be causing the difficulty. People go through hard times. There's difficulty in life, and there are people that are difficult to to have a relationship with. And I think Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 13, 7 and 8, I think he says that we need to understand what endurance is in a relationship, what perseverance is. Verse 7, he says that love bears all things that love believes all things within the context of truth, which Justin talked about last week, that it hopes all things and that it endures all things. But in verse 8, in that first part, he says, love never ends. Love never ends. And outside of a relationship that you might have um, that at its core is destructive in your life, or perhaps it's something that is physically harmful. I'm not talking about those kind of relationships outside of those types of relationships. I think the church in our, in our modern times, we've lost the idea of persevering with people. We are so, it's so easy for us in this day and age to give up. We are so given to giving up on people. And the word that Paul uses here when it says love never ends, it literally means ends, or some of your translations, some of your versions may say fail. Love never fails. In the Greek, often the way that Paul would write and the way that the Greeks wrote is they would, they would write a word or they would say a word and they would automatically get a picture of something. And this word had two pictures with it. The first was an actor on stage that is on stage and they're playing a part that really kind of dovetails with kind of the the message of that play, but they're stinking it up. And and back in that day, they would hiss at people who didn't do the job right. Uh, Some of you are like, I'd like to do that in church, Todd. That would be awesome, man. Like, you get to a part I don't like, or you're really messing it up. I'd like to hiss at you. Remember the, the gong show? Remember Get the Hook? That's what it's talking about. He's saying that love does not do that. Love doesn't give up on someone who's not performing the right way. Another word picture that would have come up for them in that day and age would have been the idea of petals falling off a flower. Love doesn't fail. It doesn't end. And in the heat of the summer or the cold of the winter or the dryness of a period of time that's incredibly dry, love doesn't fail. And yet we, as people, so easily give up on those difficult people in our lives. And sometimes that enters our married life. (laughs) Will Ferrell, the comedian, said, Before you marry a person, you should first make them use a computer with slow internet service to see who they really are. I love that. (laughs) That is awesome. I think we need to add that to our premarital counseling thing, Scott. That would be great. Oh, put two people in a room and go, are you guys really equipped to live together? Here, try this. Love perseveres, church. And we're so easy to give up. In John 15, 13, we see the words of Jesus when he said, greater love has no one than this, and someone lay down his life for a friend. 
That's a love that doesn't give up, am I right? To love someone to that extent that we would lay down our life for them. That's the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated. We see in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is, what's that next word? Faithful. He is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, Jesus didn't just tell us to do this. He demonstrated it, and he so desperately wants us, his people, to demonstrate it to those relationships that we have in our lives, whether it's students, friends at school, or uh, maybe it's your, your mom or your dad. And man, we all go through tough times with that, even in our 40s sometimes. Yeah, Dad, true. So anyway, like we go through some of those difficult times, husbands and wives, friends we have within the church that we just give up on because maybe they they entered into something that's like you know not exactly in line with God's word and we turn we are so quick to turn our back on people that we think have failed the church unfortunately is notorious for this and Jesus says that we are to persevere Love never ends. I want to encourage some of you who are here today and you're married um, to consider how loyal you are, how committed you are in your relationship together. I think loyalty is one of those things that in our culture is completely underrated. Commitment, a long-term enduring commitment is something that I think we've lost in the corporate generation, in the corporate culture of the 80s and 90s. Um, we, we, some of you who like worked in the corporate world, at some point in time, you probably had a, a boss or a board that said, be loyal or be gone. I did. And in response to that, we've allowed the pendulum to swing too far the other way. Loyalty is just brushed aside. And that's probably made most aware. It's probably spotlighted the most in our marriages. If you're here today and you're you're married, I want to encourage you to do everything you can to work on your marriage. And it's hard and it's tough. Um, We have a marriage class that I want to let you know about. If you're in here, whether you're like in in a crisis in your marriage or whether you're flourishing in your marriage, I want to encourage you um, to be a part of a marriage class. Um, it starts March the 6th. It goes through April 17th, 6.30 to 8 p.m. It's here in Under the Sea. Some of you are like, that's a funny name to have a marriage class in, Under the Sea, because that's the way I feel right now in my marriage. That's pretty good. I like that. Anyway, uh, Lee and Susie Bowler here, and um, they lead that class. I'm so thankful for you guys. And so I want to encourage you, if you're interested in that, just on that connection card, write down marriage class, or you can email uh, Chris McBride to find out more about that. Um, They are leading that class, and I want to encourage you. um, That's probably the area that the world watches us the most. Listen, do you realize that Christians, the divorce rate among Christians is, is almost, and in some studies, is higher than the divorce rate among those who are not Christians? And that's not meant to be a judgment or a condemnation. Um, But man, church, the world is watching us. The world is watching how we treat each other. And I believe that begins 
in our marriages and perseverance in marriage is just key, but it is in all of our relationships. And if we are going to have an enduring love, we've got to understand what perseverance is all about. Secondly, we've got to understand the perspective that I believe Paul, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, gives us here. We've got to recognize that when we love like Jesus, we're most like him. We've got to recognize that when we love uh, like Jesus, that we are most like him. And Paul here in 1 Corinthians, in a roundabout way, I think kind of lays that down in, in, in verses 8 through 10. Check this out. Now listen to this. See if you can try to figure this out. He says, love never ends. And, and then he goes on and he says, as for prophecies, that's, you know, there's a whole study on prophecies, but like it's basically knowing and being able to, to tell what is going to come. They will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, as we already talked about, it will pass away. And then in verse 9, he says, For we know in, what's that next word? Part. And we prophesy in, what? In part. But he says, when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And then in verse 12, he says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, that's the third time he's mentioned that word and the fourth time he's mentioned it in a different, uh, different uh, way. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And I'm sure you're like, well, that's as clear as mud, Todd. Makes sense to me. It's hard to understand. What in the world is Paul, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, talking about? Well, we can understand it a little bit when we take a look at those words. That the word for, that we're talking about here is knowing in part is an expression that applies directly to religious knowledge. Isn't that interesting that he's talking about there? And he's saying essentially that we can know in, in, in a way about God's word. We can have certain knowledge and we should strive after that knowledge, but it's only in part. And he says, this commentary goes on to say, this should be a rebuke to people who have a pretense about knowledge. And, and then the, the, the other thing is, is that the part will be done away. He talks about this in the context, I believe, of eternity. And I believe what he's talking about here is, is that we don't know exactly all that is going to come. We don't know exactly what the future will be like, but for right now, for right here, we can do our part in the gospel message. And it begins with agape. It begins with love. In verse 12, he says, now we see in a mirror dimly. In other words, on this side of heaven, we're given some clue as to what things look like, look, uh, like in the future, but not fully. I wish I had a dim mirror some mornings when I wake up, for sure. And then he, but he says, for now I know in part, then I, one day, I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And I believe what Paul is saying here is that our main focus ought to be to love. And here's the problem. In our culture, in our generation, in our day and age, the word love is all about us. It's a little bit of what Justin talked about last week. Everything about love, we automatically, instantly think of ourselves. 
When we think of the word, when we think of the expression, when we think of like what it means, what love means, we automatically, naturally, in our own self, go to the place of self. And as Stephanie mentioned earlier, man, we have the power of God on our side. His power is made perfect in our what? In our weakness. In our weakness. And I think what it means to have this eternal perspective when it comes to loving people the way that God instructed us and the way that he demonstrated means that we don't seek out ourselves first. Instant gratification leads us to view love as a game of get, not give. Isn't that true? Like instant gratification, wanting something now, in this moment, in this life, trying to obtain it, trying to go after it, is all about get. And the whole expression of agape love is about giving, isn't it? It's about what he gave for us. And in response to that, what we should give. The third idea today is prudence. Prudence is a word I think is misunderstood. It just means wisdom. And I wanted to alliterate, so I had to come up with a P word. So there you go. All right, there's pastor thought right there. I think that we should run towards a lifestyle of putting others before ourselves. And in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, I wish this verse wasn't in here. Oh, I wish this verse wasn't in here. He says this. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And some of you ladies are like, yep, that's my Valentine's card for my husband this year. Like you're going to put it on his screensaver, on his computer, and on his, you know, his phone, and it's going to be right out there. Because let's face it, men, sometimes we do that. I think what Paul is talking about here is prudence. It is wisdom versus immaturity. But how often do we go to that thing that's immature in our lives? Maybe today you're here and you have a blind spot in this area. And maybe today with someone in your life, whether it's a neighbor or a friend or a spouse or maybe a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter or a brother or sister, whatever that relationship is, maybe it's a coworker. maybe today what you need to ask God is, where am I being immature and childish? I'm going to tell you for me, I'm just going to be very, very honest with you today. For me, what it is, is defending myself. That's my childish thought. That's my childish kind of like the way that I process when I'm faced with some kind of difficulty, my automatic like response to that is to put up walls and to defend myself because my selfish, in my flesh, sinful Todd wants to protect me because I love me more than anyone else. Maybe for you it's something like that. Maybe it's being a little too sensitive. Maybe it's being a little too angry. Maybe it's being a little too irrational. Maybe for you, it's not making that journey. Yeah, you're committed to that person. You're committed to that relationship. But in your heart, you've given it up. 
You don't want to endure with them. You don't want to make that difficult journey with what they're going through and the things that they are struggling with. Take a look at what he says. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. He talks about our speech. I thought like a child. He talks about our thought. He says, I reasoned like a child. And our tendency in our speech, in our thought, in our logic, our reasoning is to automatically be immature. But I am so thankful that God was mature with us because he gave up everything for us when he gave up his son. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul kind of echoes the same thing. And he says in verse 13 and 14, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Now, now you ladies are like, no, I got a new verse now for Valentine's Day. That's the verse I'm giving my husband, my significant other. He says, be strong. By the way, it's not just for men, ladies, okay, just so you know. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. And then Paul ends this passage with this verse in verse 13. He says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is what? It's love. Some of your versions may say charity. Means the same thing. It's the God kind of of love that we talked about in week one that was patient, that didn't, that isn't quick to anger. We talked about last week that's truthful and selfless and giving, but it's also a love that is enduring and that lasts forever. I think it's amazing that he mentions those three things. So now faith, hope, and love abide. But the greatest of these is love. My question to you today is, do you believe that faith is a big part of the Christian life? You can talk back to me if you want to right now. It's cool. I'm good with that. Do you think faith is a big part of the Christian life? Yeah, it's awesome. It is. Do you think that hope is a big part of the Christian life? Do you think that understanding God's word is a big part of the Christian life? Do you think that like getting together and having fellowship with each other and worshiping God is a big part of the Christian life? But Paul, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, says the greatest of all of these is love. The love that we have for each other. And Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this... All people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Christine and I did not, um, I did not have her script her answers. I gave her some questions I would ask her this morning. And on stage in our last service was the first time I'd heard her answers. And I couldn't believe that she connected it with someone who was attracted to their group because they watched how this group loved Christine. Church, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Because the world is watching us. 
And this whole passage, yes, it was given for those of you who are married to enhance your marriage, for those of you who have a significant other to enhance your relationship with that significant other to help when you have conflict with your neighbor or your brother or your sister, your mom or dad, your kids, whatever the case may be. It was given for that reason, but everything in God's word was given to make him famous. This included. So today, I want to conclude and just tell you that the big idea, kind of the bottom line, is that the world needs to see an enduring love in us so that they know how much God loves them. And my problem with the church and my experience with the church is that sometimes we don't do this as good as the world does. Shouldn't we be doing it better? Shouldn't we be doing this better than the world? So that the world is attracted, not to us, not to our groups, not even to our church, so that the world is attracted to Jesus. That's why we love. That's the truth of God's word. I hope today that you'll think about Maybe one of those aspects of an enduring love that maybe you need to work on. Maybe you need to ask for God's help for his power to be made perfect in your weakness. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for this, this message, these words that Paul wrote to this church in Corinth to balance their desire to highlight their spiritual gifts and to talk about how much they knew about the scripture and to, to posture with each other because you don't want a group of people who claim to be followers of you that are always posturing with each other. You want a group of people who are in love with you and who express that love, that same type of love, in a healthy way with each other. And Father God, right now, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to me, that you would speak to each one of us gathered in this room, that you would be with those who are joining us on our web stream right now. Father God, I pray that you would pierce our hearts that you would look within, that you would help, as David said, said, to help find any wicked way within us. And Father God, I pray that you would help us um, in those areas that we have um, not persevered with someone close to us. God, I pray that you would help us to understand what that means. When we've lost perspective, when we've lost the fact that this whole idea of agape love is not just for us and it's not just for now, it's for eternity. God, I pray that you would help us to have and to gain that eternal perspective on how we love each other. And God, finally, I pray that you would help each one of us, myself included, when we have those moments when our, our tendency is to be immature, our tendency is to be petty and small, Father God, I pray that you would help us to rise above that, not because it's just the better and right thing to do, but because when we do that, when we love like you loved us, 
God, we make you look good. We make you famous. We make you attractive. Help each one of us in every relationship that we have to make you look attractive. God, may the world look at us and God, may they say, that's what I want to be about. That's the kind of thing that I want. God, help us to do that to the best of our ability. This more excellent way of loving you and each other. Give us the strength to do that. In Jesus' name, I pray. And all God's people said.